I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspective. Okay, so Madigan, you and I have been talking already for a little bit, just catching up, kind of gauging where we are emotionally, spiritually, mentally. All of the illies. Yeah, because, I mean, honestly, I was thinking today about the last time we recorded, and it feels like longer than a week to me. It feels like that was longer than a week ago. Yeah. um, Because so much has happened and like I was saying to you I've been consuming news and resources and trying to be active all the time that I feel like my brain is going at 110 yeah and I was basically telling Keegan that I wish I wish there was a way that she didn't feel like she had a responsibility to hold that much burden on her shoulders all the time. I'm encouraging her to take some, especially Facebook breaks. I don't know. I just, for me, I feel a sense of responsibility right now to be consuming as much information as possible um, because I'm I'm learning where my holes in my knowledge are. Like we talk about stuff all the time, but I'm I'm noticing gaps where there's like certain parts of a certain topic that I'm unsure of and certain things like that. I've been watching, you know, on Netflix, they've got the Black Lives Matter collection. Um, I watched LA 92 last night. Uh, I wish they had given me a bigger trigger warning in the beginning. of it. There's never a break. It's all like it is a must watch, but there is not a break. There are no talking heads that are talking you through it. You are seeing everything and it's a lot. Right. And 
you know, I feel like a lot of people are feeling like they need to engage all the time. And I feel that way also. And I feel that way in part because I am having a lot of anxiety around the fact that I know that this initial peak, this initial climax uh, of this situation is starting to wane. I feel it. I see it. I see people moving on. And it's filling me with a lot of anxiety. It's scaring the shit out of me because we live in a culture that is so the attention pan the attention span is so short uh, right. for our generation uh, specifically in part because of social media culture and the 24-hour news cycle things just tend to move on more quickly and we cannot allow that to happen however in order to have a sustained movement that is going to last the length of time that it needs to last in order for us to see real lasting progress and change, we need people to be taking breaks and to be taking care of their mental health because otherwise they will burn out and they will, especially allies, especially white people and non-black identifying POC, they will burn out and then they will not rejoin the movement because their attention will be elsewhere after that. And so I just want to say like, There is a fine line between engaging as much as you need to engage in order to sustain the movement and keep it going and also taking the breaks that you need to take so that you have the mental capacity to stay in this for as long as we need you to stay in this, which could be years, truly. So like it's like you got to you got to figure out where that is for yourself. There is something, though, that. I've recognized throughout all of this and something that I've seen throughout other movements in the past is that I feel like because we've hit this peak and there was just this time where it was like video after video after video we are consuming and we're getting madder and madder and madder and madder and madder and yes eventually it is going to go down it has to we cannot constantly be living in this state of like fear and panic although I would love to if we could sustain it and just keep burning it all down until there's change I think it would be great but the good thing is is that even I really truly believe that a lot of the people who you know maybe are appearing to forget soon or who are not as active in their daily lives you know we're not looking to make everybody activists we're looking to make everybody advocates so even if that means that you are a midwest housewife and you're not posting all the time on instagram i think it's important now as you know time goes on to reevaluate how you can remain loyal to the movement yet have it be sustainable and have it still be in your mind i mean i will say like there is some frustration on my part and I'm it's something that I am grappling with and I am learning to deal with because I understand it's unfair and not realistic of me to be upset or like bitter or salty about the fact that people get to disengage and they get to turn it off because a lot of that like fear that you're talking about is fear that 
black people and, you know, a lot of POC in general, black people specifically, have had to deal with and live with for generations. And right. so when I see a lot, I've, I've actually had a lot of issues with friends of mine who very clearly are are disengaging. And I think that they're disengaging because there is that defense mechanism of trying to protect their mental health. But it makes me, there is part of me that's a little bitter about it because I'm just like, that is a privilege that you get to do that, that you can just turn this off for you. Right. And like for me, I don't ever get to turn this off. Like this is something that while I'll take breaks for myself and I'll watch something, uh, I'll watch Queer Eye like we were talking about or I I will go sit by the pool and turn everything off and not look at my social media and I'll take Facebook breaks. Um, Every day when I wake up, it's there for me. Right. And it's a reality that I live with. And so I do think that while I agree completely, like everyone needs to take breaks and everyone needs to reevaluate what their place is in this movement, I also encourage people to never lose sight of that. Like, Of course not. Never lose sight of the fact that you getting to disengage is a privilege that you have. Right. Um, and I'm I'm hoping that through this process that that's something that more and more people are becoming more and more aware of. It's something I'm becoming more and more aware of. Um, it's making me uh, become hyper aware of things in my everyday life uh, and how I would be treated differently. You know, right now, everything I feel like is just under this microscope. And I guess what I was trying to say is just not that people should stop caring as much, not that people should step back, not at all. All I'm saying is that it's so easy for me to have an expectation of, you know, having this burn it all down mentality all the time and wanting to keep it that way until it's done. But unfortunately... Not everybody can dedicate their lives to it. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that even if you are somebody who cannot be an activist all the time, that can't be your title, you can still be an advocate. You still need to educate yourself and your children. And honestly, me having conversations with T has helped me learn more because I've started learning more about how much how many police are in schools and how much money these SROs are getting. I've learned so much by having to teach a child. Like, that's what I mean. It's not about disengaging. It's about finding where you can engage within your daily life to ensure that you can have longevity. Right. Yeah. And it, it is true that the revolution will have many lanes, right? And your lane even though it's hard for me to understand because all I want is to be on boots on the ground, like doing this thing, like boots on the ground, advocating for change. Um, Not everybody is conditioned for that. And so there are other avenues that you can take, but you must take them. Like you must actually take them. Like if you feel like you can't march um, for whatever reason, then you need to be calling your representatives, then you need to be signing petitions, then you need to be donating money. There are things that you can do, but you have to be responsible for making sure you do those things because we need you, period. We need you because we have been dealing with 400 years of sustained systemic oppression that has never let up Not really. I mean, yes, of course, progress has been made. 
progress has been made. But, but racism not, hasn't changed. But racism has never gone away. And until we recognize as a nation that this nation was founded on the ideals and principles of white supremacy and upholding white supremacy, the system is not broken. I really, it really is rubbing me the wrong way when I'm hearing people say this isn't the America I know. Uh, America is better than this. This system was created to uphold a system of white supremacy. That is it. So the system needs to be dismantled. And we are not going to get there on our own. We're not going to get there in a couple of months. It's going to take a long time. And we need sustained, persistent effort. We do. On everybody's part to make it happen. I agree. I agree. So on that note, actually, I kind of wanted to read for everybody, um, because I know that there was a lot of talk about like, well, what are these protests actually doing? And we've seen a lot of protests in the past that have not, um, of course, there were changes that were made or resulted from protests, but uh, not necessarily visible to the everyday person. So I wanted to kind of give a list to encourage people that what you're doing, the noise you're making, showing up in the street, um, posting on social media, having the hard discussions with your family members, um, these things are making a change. And um, so I wanted to go over some of those with you guys today. So here are some of the things that the protests against police brutality have already achieved. In Minneapolis, the Minneapolis City Council will vote to um, or has voted to dismantle the city's police department, saying it's too broken to be reformed as is. Following George Floyd's murder by a Minneapolis police officer, the city will reimagine how law enforcement can promote public safety. The city has also banned chokeholds, which it should have been banned already. Yes. Um, In New York... The mayor, Mayor Bill de Blasio, vowed to cut the NYPD's $6 billion budget. I want that to sink in for you that our police department in New York City has a $6 billion budget. That's insanity. Billion um, with a B. That's with, with a, a B. B. With a B, mm-hmm. everybody. As it B like as in boy. Blasio. Like Blasio. <laughs> And they will divert funds to youth and social services that invest in communities impacted by police violence. The state assembly has also passed uh, the Eric Gardner Anti-Chokehold Act, which is kind of a joke to me, given the fact that they didn't convict his killer. Right. Um, Making chokeholds one step closer to being illegal in the state. The legislature also repealed 50A, a law that shielded police misconduct records from public view. And Governor Cuomo promises to sign both. So in Los Angeles, Mayor Eric Garcetti agreed to slash up to $150 million in the Los Angeles Police Department's $2 billion budget. Again, billion Which with a B. Which is great, but yeah, again, $150 million is a drop in the bucket, really, but yeah. something. Yeah. In Kentucky, uh, Louisville, Kentucky is pursuing Brianna's Law, which would limit the type of violent raid that resulted in Brianna Taylor's death. In the United Kingdom, the Black Lives Matter movement crossed the pond and saw protesters topple a statue of slave trader Edward Colston in Bristol, England. And those very similar um, activism efforts have crossed over into the U.S. and we are toppling slave trader, slave holder, Christopher Columbus statues, Confederate statues all over this fucking country. Into the, about into fucking the time. sea. Uh, 
And before I move on to U.S. Congress, I want to mention that NASCAR has now banned Confederate flags, and NASCAR fans are pissed about it. They seriously are. And also, one guy's Paramount retiring. <laughs> one guy's retiring because he can't carry his flag. Oh, that's so sad for you oh, that he's you can't really have a sad. fucking. It's such okay. Whatever. His feelings um, are really hurt. I saw a funny meme. Actually, let me find it. Where he was like. Republicans, we are the party of Lincoln. Also, Republicans, don't touch our Confederate flags. One hundred percent. Network has also canceled Cops, the reality TV show, after thirty years of glorifying police brutality on the air. And um, also, and they have a reggae song in their intro, which I've never thought about before. And I saw a post about that, and I was like, "That is the most." fucked up shit I've ever heard in my entire life like that yeah. is such a slap in the face it truly is it's it disgusting truly is. and um, A&E will also be canceling live PD so that and Good. you know what? I, it's really made me examine my relationship to these TV shows not necessarily cops and live PD but like all of these shows and movies that glorify cops as heroes and we watch them we're so desensitized to watching police shoot at people or commit acts of violence and yeah. I need to reevaluate my relationship with those movies and TV shows. I couldn't agree more. I was reading uh, the book Manhunters, which is what the show Narcos was based off of with the guys getting Pablo Escobar. And, you know, those are that's detective work. It's very different. But, you know, it was something that I, I wanted to move on to other things because I felt like it was important for my own education. But also, like, that would have brought up a very conflicting... Uh, thing in my head as I'm reading them sure you know yeah yeah do things that are people, not always to the books you know yeah and for people who are confused about what defunding the police can mean um because I understand that like on the surface the knee-jerk reaction is to be like what excuse me and the media has really pushed this narrative that defunding the police means that we will no longer have anyone to call if anything happens which is not the case um so if you are wanting to understand and know more about that I really feel like John Oliver's latest last week tonight episode talking about the police is a required watching i think it's a must watch so if you have not watched it yet do so immediately seriously yeah, i stopped watching john oliver during the pandemic because it was getting too depressing for me uh so i yeah, haven't gotten back should, to watching it so i'll go back you should watch that one it i, I watched it twice it's about 30 minutes i've watched it twice it is really so informative so yeah. informative all right, so the last one here is the U.S. Congress. Members of the House and Senate unveiled the Justice and Policing Act of 2020, which would prohibit the use of chokeholds, allow for greater criminal and civil penalties for police misconduct, ban certain no-knock warrants, and create a national registry to track police misconduct. A bipartisan effort would also stop local law enforcement from receiving military equipment. So that's the big thing for me. I have two parts of the whole defund the police thing that are important to me. One of them is demilitarizing the police in general. We do not need a militarized police. Second of all, like I said, I've been learning about how uh, these SROs are in schools. And to me, because I remember SROs 
they seemed like security guards to me. And I was learning about them. It's like, no, they're actual cops. And especially in minority neighborhoods, there are large numbers of cops in these schools, even in elementary schools, arresting elementary school children for minor offenses, spraying them with pepper spray. And other students are seeing this and going about their days. It's absolutely disgusting. And I had to have a conversation with an eight-year-old who's never seen a cop at his school who is really having a hard time understanding this and has a million questions and doesn't understand why a cop who he thought would protect him could hurt someone his own age. And he was like, well, what did they do? And every single time my answer is like, they weren't white. Or like even if it was a minor offense, it's like they they didn't have to go that far. Right. The answer is very complicated because while there is inherent racism in the police system, I highly recommend um, I've started, but I have not finished um, the new Jim Crow. I highly recommend people read it or get it on Audible or whatever because and also watch 13th because it does highlight just how racist the system is um there is also the lack of training like police officers have so little training and we are requiring them to be essentially social workers we're asking them to step into these schools right where they have no real knowledge or training in how to deal with children or teenagers and we're asking them to step into that role which is beyond their scope and that is another reason why they should be defunded defund the police refund education healthcare yeah. mental health these things are important you know so yes it's partially that there is an inherent racism that just exists because again america is built to uphold white supremacy but then there is also this added issue of like they're doing too much stuff i just they're found this too much they are i just found this photo that i saved earlier and forgot that i was going to use this in my notes as well talking about defunding the police exactly what you said the police will still be funded uh it's just going to be redistributed in the city budget uh everyone would get a fair share it says defund the police because police should focus on crimes and criminals police are not mental health counselors police are not social workers police are not medical professionals police are not education specialists police should not be responsible for everything and then it says defund the police emphasizes reassessing our values investing in our communities investing in our people funding in our schools in our hospitals in funding our services funding our infrastructure so I think that's really important because I had I had a sign actually taped to my car that just said defund the police and I live really close to the NoHo police department so that brought me great joy. Um, but it was something that I was like, I kind of hope that everybody gets what that means because it is scary yeah. for people that don't understand what it means because it implies that we are no longer going to have a police department and that's or somebody governing... Um, you know, criminals. And that's just not the case. That's not what anybody wants. Nobody wants people to go unpunished for the bad things that they do. That's not the point, you know? Right. Absolutely. I mean, and I have, you know, I've got a group chat that's like a lot of my friends are in this group chat. And one of them is a police officer. He's a police officer in Beverly Hills. And I've continued to post things in there about defunding the police, um, knowing that he's in there. And, I, I know that people are kind of like, oh, you can't say this like around so-and-so. But my feeling is police should want this. 
because they're doing too much. They're doing too much, so this is something that they should want. And if they don't want it, it makes me question their motives. It makes me question their motives because I feel like they're trying to hold on to, to the control. power, control, and the ability to do whatever they want without consequence. And that shit should be a red flag for anybody. So good exactly. police officers should be pro allocating less money to police departments and more money into neighborhoods to try and create some kind of equitable existence for people of color specifically and poor people in general because the crime will go down if you give them resources and access to education, mental health, health care, all of those things, the crime will go down and we will not need as many police. So uh, that that's basically just what that means. Yeah, exactly. Um, I want to chat about Breonna Taylor a little bit. All right, let's do it. I want to give her a little a few moments here because you know her name. I'm sure most people who are listening right now know that name. But somehow I feel like she has slipped through the cracks and I have been trying to focus on Brianna a lot right now and well, find this, this resources and things. Of a bigger conversation and I feel like you and I could probably have an entire episode on this when when you know when Pride Month is over, but I'm always here to any black person who dies at the hands of police. Um, black Lives Matter. I'm always here for that. However, I will say that I feel like black women tend to get less attention, period. Uh, and it does happen to black well, women. And the, and the other thing that I think is lacking in her case, unfortunately, is a video. That's right. And that's what yep. pisses me off is that nobody can see it. And so people, right. I feel like, can make up what they want or not care about it or not care about her. And that's what bothers me. Like, her best friend had been interviewed. And the way that she describes Brianna, she says, she was like the vibe of all vibes. When we say she was special, we're watering it down a bit. Like, this girl, I've just read so much about her. She was so Amazing, And luckily, she is being represented by the same attorney that is representing Ahmaud Arbery's case. I think that's fantastic. Um, but it's been really hard because there have been a lot of inconsistencies in her investigation, in the reporting of her crime. Um, and there's really been a lack of publicity. So she was murdered on March 13th. It is currently... June 11th when we're recording. So on Saturday, it's going to be two full months since she was murdered. And there have been no arrests. Three. Three. Oh, my God. It's been three months. Mm -hmm. It's been three months since she's been murdered. There have been no arrests. And the other day, there was the most bullshit investigation report I've ever seen. It gives like. Oh, that shit was shady. Oh, it's like. It's insane. Okay. Yeah. It says. um, it says her name, but it doesn't include her date of birth. Uh, it says, like, where it was, who the officers were. Um, but the section reserved for injuries is blank. The section titled forced entry checked no. Uh, there were no really? notes or really narratives. Really no forced entry. They let you in. You knocked on their door exactly. and they just opened it and said, come on in. Bullshit. And the thing Fuck that's you. frustrating is that what people don't understand is that these were plain clothes cops. These were not With plain plain cars. They weren't in cop cars. 
and they were pounding on their door at midnight and they were both asleep and they're pounding at their door. Can you imagine sleeping like with your partner Terrifying. in bed? Terrifying. At and midnight. And where the fuck, by the way, where, where the fuck is the NRA? I thought the same thing with Philando Castile. This is what proves to me that the NRA is not here to protect you or your gun rights. They're here to uphold white supremacy, period. They're here to uphold the GOP because if they really cared about that shit, they would be right there defending Breonna Taylor's boyfriend because he was defending his home. That's what he thought he was doing. He had a gun. They broke into his house and he shot at them because to his understanding, somebody was breaking into his home. Exactly. Well, and then when he calls 911, he doesn't even know what's going on. He said, these people broke in and killed my girlfriend or shot my girlfriend. And it's so, the 911 call is absolutely heartbreaking. And to me, that was a pivotal moment of realizing that, like, I wanted to know more about this girl. Like, I just it was the most heartbreaking 911 call I've ever heard in my life. And it's just... Like you said, it was self-defense, so he just kind of, like, shot. And there was something, like, I wrote the numbers down, but there was something, like, 22 shots fired and, like, eight of them hit Brianna. Like, it was just excessive. She was shot eight times in her bed while she was asleep. It was excessive. So the cops who were involved in her murder were John Mattingly, Miles Cosgrove, and Brett Hankison and Brett Hankison is also facing a sexual assault allegation against two women uh, where he basically used his power of being a cop over them. Well, surprise, surprise. Yeah, I posted fucking guess. I posted something about him on my personal Instagram story yesterday. It was a woman who had come out with her story, you know, when she saw him, you know, deciding to come out and talk about it. Um, so, and also, not only have these men not been arrested, they are actually just on administrative leave. They have not actually been fired from the force. They still have their jobs. So, yeah, they're still getting paid. If they're we have the power, leave. if we have the power to get people fired and we have the power to get people arrested for George Floyd, then we need to use that same power for Tony McDade, for Breonna Taylor, for Ahmaud Arbery, and for so many other people. Like, we we can't just show up for one person. I, I will post something both to my personal page and also to the Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist um, story uh, because it very succinctly outlines the things that you should say. It's essentially like a cold call script. Hi, I'm blank. I'm here to talk to so-and-so. Um, this is what I'm talking about. These are the prompts that I'm going to need to click through. And it has like three different pages so that you can talk to like three different people about this issue. So again, if you're not somebody who's boots on the ground, you know, in this revolution, then be somebody who picks up the phone and calls. It takes 10 minutes. So, you know, um, we'll definitely do that. that. That's what I mean is like this... This entire thing, this is a whole revolution, you guys. This is going to take years. So we need the sustained momentum to get justice, not only for George Floyd, who, by the way, we don't have justice for yet. Just because they were arrested does not mean that they will be convicted. So we need sustained movement and pressure so that people don't feel like, well, this has gone away. Yeah. And I don't have to worry about it anymore. I do want to give a a few specific resources for Breonna Taylor. Uh, Places to donate is... 
Justice for Brianna, and that is justiceforbrianna.org. You can sign her petition at change.org and just search Brianna Taylor. Uh, and then their official GoFundMe is, uh, if you were to, I couldn't find the actual, I couldn't write out the actual link to it because I only have my notebook and paper. But again, if you Google GoFundMe Brianna Taylor, it's the first one that shows up. And you'll know it's that one because it'll say hashtag Breeway and it's B-R-E-E-W-A-Y-Y. It'll say that at the top. So you're not doing the wrong one. Um, and then also at the bottom of this page, I got a lot of my resources actually from a Harper's Bazaar article, gave a lot of really wonderful resources. I heard that they just hired their first black editor in chief of 150 years, three years of being a magazine, which is crazy. Um, but at the bottom, it said in Taylor's honor, donate to the Loveland Foundation, which aims to prioritize access, opportunity and validation for young black women and girls across the country. That's amazing. Yeah. Like just um, any little thing you can do is yeah. helpful. And also earlier when we were talking about the results of these protests, we touched on the fact that they were trying to get Brianna's law passed. And I do want to say that as of this recording, probably half or not in half an hour, but probably a couple of hours ago, uh, Louisville, Kentucky did unanimously vote to pass an ordinance called Brianna's Law uh, banning no-knock search warrants in the wake of her death. Well, that's great. You're passing Brianna's Law. Can we please arrest the people that killed her now? But that's exactly right. I posted something on my Instagram the other day that was like 11,000 protesters have been arrested. None of them are the people who killed Brianna Taylor. So um, while this is amazing, this should have been a thing that already existed and that we're, that's what we're seeing a lot of like ban chokeholds why wasn't that a thing that was already banned banning lynching um, no why knock, was that not banned 400 which is years still ago not passed yeah that's another conversation uh Rand paul held that up that's still not passed um but banning no knock search warrants that's a thing that should have been passed a long time ago so while this isn't passed nationally in brianna's hometown of louisville kentucky it is passed it did passed uh, uh did pass by a uh, 26 to 0 unanimously they all voted in favor of the ordinance so I mean great (laughs) I'm glad that that's a thing that happened but every time I hear something for me I want to take a moment to be joyful for this success um, that we've won this battle but the war is not over Uh the war is not over Uh, so there is still a lot to be done yeah Um, I know we're running long so I just wanted to touch on this very quickly um Trump is getting ready to resume indoor rallies for his <laughs> he's getting ready to resume indoor rallies for his re-election campaign. Uh, I know there was something that you wanted to talk about today as well. And I will tell you that this morning I before I even got out of bed, I had read something from The New York Times in my email and immediately went to Twitter to watch Trump melt the fuck down uh him and governor inslee who is the governor of washington state were having a twitter feud uh oh i've got <laughs> i've got that conversation is not a sentence down. i want to say yeah i i don't want to say that about my elected officials and about my president in particular but it is the reality that we are living in in this dystopian hellscape so if you would like to read that go ahead okay so 
My favorite thing this week is that there's basically seven blocks in Seattle that has decided that they are not part of America and they are starting anew and it's going to be peaceful and they they screen documentaries and have concerts and I want to be there. And they plant vegetables like it literally looks like the chillest place on earth. Um, I want <laughs> like, it looks like a commune in the middle of Seattle like I want to live there. If so Washington wasn't so full of militia members and white supremacists I would go there. Oh right. Like, well, that's, that's how chill it looks yeah and it's it's the capitol hill autonomous zone and they call it Chaz, which i just love it's so cute so of course trump hates this that he's even referred to the peaceful protesters as domestic terrorists um he blasted mayor jenny durkin and washington governor jay inslee like keegan said threatening federal action if local leaders don't take back the city uh so inslee's response to that as keegan was beginning to say is just wonderful he says a man who is totally incapable of governing should stay out of washington state's business stoop tweeting (laughs) and he said stoop tweeting because when trump tweeted at him to be like i'm about to fucking step in and take shit over he said he 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 said stooping instead of stopping didn't he do stooping Uh, too when he did a weird tweet about like a cheeseburger or like a hamburger in the summer and then said he's he's done this before though He's a f- yes, he misspells things all the time. He's a fucking idiot. I mean, we could have an entire episode just talking about his Twitter meltdowns this week. That 75 year old man who was pushed down by Buffalo de- Police Department, he, he tweeted about how he thought that that guy was maybe a Antifa, Antifa agent provocateur, which yeah. is just like he's 75. Well, and that's what they're saying about these people in Seattle as well. Um, I believe it was the governor of Florida. Let me see. Because I was like, of course, it's Florida. It was Representative Matt Gates from Florida says that Antifa has designated Seattle as its capital. Oh, fuck you. They're like, fuck this you. is the militia this shit capital. Is so, it's it. It would be hilarious if it wasn't so dangerous. I know. Like, it's incredibly fucking dangerous well, for them absurd. to be spreading this shit. And it's absurd, it's absurd that our president is spreading this shit. Our president is literally like spoon feeding us conspiracy theories. It's insane. And people are eating it up is the problem. Like, oh, yeah. And, and there have been real life, real world consequences for this shit. Um, right. People are really getting hurt because he is spreading these lies and this disinformation uh, about people, you know, his push to make Antifa, which is not even an actual organized group, um, a terrorist organization. Meanwhile, um, the KKK is still not considered a terrorist organization in the United States. Exactly. Uh, Exactly. But I digress. Yeah. Um, He is resuming indoor rallies, uh, the first of which will be on Juneteenth, which I do think, Madigan, you and I need to have an entire episode on Juneteenth because it has occurred to me how many people do not know what Juneteenth is. Mm -hmm. Um, So I will say that Juneteenth um, is June 19th, and it represents the day June 19th, 1865, which was more than two years after the uh, the Emancipation Proclamation when the the slaves were freed, um, that the last of the slaves were actually 
freed. So there was a large segment of people, specifically in places like Texas, um, where the slaves were not kept abreast of information. And so they did not know that the war was over and they did not know that they were free. Their slave owners uh, didn't tell and the them. white people in their community, of course, did not tell them. So they worked as slaves for two years after the Emancipation Proclamation. So June 19th represents a day of freedom. African-American people have celebrated that day uh, as the day that all people in this country have been freed. It is kind of like the Black Independence Day. Um, and it's it's very special and it means a lot to the black community, specifically right now, given everything that's been going on. So Trump decided to have his first rally on Juneteenth in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which if you've listened to our Massacre of Black Wall Street episode, you know the importance of Tulsa to African-American culture and, um, you know, just American culture in general. So it is very calculated for him to have his first rally at this place. It is more than a dog whistle to racist and white supremacists. Uh, and it's in, it, it, it's infuriating to the point where Anthony is actually like, I want to go to Tulsa. <laughs> like yeah. Anthony's like, we're going to go to Tulsa and we're going to counter protest because this is some fucking bullshit. Yeah. Well, pissed. it's I've seen it online being referred to as a welcome home party. Yes. You know, yeah. it's like yeah, that's what Kamala Harris said. It's a yes, welcome thank home you. for white supremacists. Um, and in addition to that. So, yes, that's fucking awful. In addition to that, um, Trump is making everybody who attends the rally uh, basically sign a waiver that says that if they get coronavirus, they can't sue him. <laughs> and they can't oh sue God. the White House or the administration. So they have to sign a thing that says, by clicking register below, you are acknowledging that an inherent risk of exposure to COVID-19 exists in any public place where people are present. So there we go. That's it. That's all I wanted to say. And that's the end of our episode. <laughs> but up, up, but up, up, up. And a lot of these people might get COVID. So there's that. I mean, that could be a good thing, I guess. By the way, I had my COVID test and I tested negative after going to the to the uh, protest. So, girl, hey. don't start tempting me. Don't start tempting me. Mm-hmm. I might have to start soon. I think it's about that time. Well, I'm, if we don't go to Tulsa to counter protest um, the rally in Tulsa, we will be doing something on June 19th. There's just no yeah. way that during this time in my life uh, as an as as a black woman living in these times on on Juneteenth, I'm not going to do something. So we will probably go to a rally or a protest or do something on June 19th. I'll keep you posted. Please do. I would really like to. You know, it depends on it depends on the day and how everything we know what's going on. So we'll see. So, huh. all right. If you have any thoughts on anything, there's so much going on in the news. And we do see you guys sending in the things that you want us to discuss. And we do take it into account. But it's a lot. But, you know, send them in. And if you just want to send something in to have a conversation with us as well, go ahead and send us an email at neighborhoodfeminists at gmail.com. You can also direct message us on Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist and follow us there. You can also follow us on Facebook. We have a business and group page. You can rate and review us on the business page and you can chat with the other listeners on our group page. We also have a Twitter that we sometimes use at Yamp Podcast. Y-A-N-F. 
podcast. If you don't already, go ahead and listen to us on Radio Public. It is a free way for you to listen, and it helps us out a little bit. And I did not forget to remind you to also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Um, I did not post a Reviews Day Tuesday this week. I don't know if we'll do it next week. I'm kind of feeling like we need to focus on one thing for a little while. It is so, strange that it feels like self it, it feels like self promotion feels, it feels very too weird, selfish. Which I understand that like reviews days Tuesdays aren't just about like self promotion, but it it is strange like even for me like my other podcast is donating like 50% of our merch proceeds to Black Lives Matter and it still feels weird for me to talk about that or like advertise it because it feels like I'm advertising even though I know it's for a cause it's strange you know it is it's really weird yeah I just feel like we need to take a bit of a break from posting some of our regular content and make sure that we are enforcing the minds of our listeners and our followers of what's going on in the world. Uh, you know, still posting things that are positive, but, you know, making sure that we are keeping our attention on one thing. But I don't want to, you know, dissuade people from giving us positive reviews because I would love it if we could come back and have weeks in a row where we could post them. That would be wonderful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it, it actually, it really does help us out a lot in order for us to be able to do this, which I realize isn't everything, but I do think that us being able to have these conversations and build this community, it is important, um, and it's important in times like these, and in order for us to do them, it is really helpful for us to uh, have those reviews coming in. It allows us opportunities to be able to spread the word on a lot of these issues, so Thank you. If you have reviewed, if you haven't, please do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's the thing. It's not it's not just because we like to hear nice things about ourselves. Although we do. We love hearing nice things about ourselves. Uh, you know, it, we can't do this without you guys. And that's really the most important thing. And I hope that that rings true because we love what we do as much as having these conversations is hard. Uh, I always feel better when I'm done. Me Even too. when I'm dreading it, I always feel better. And we hope you do, too. We hope you feel like you have a community, even if the people around you don't understand or they don't get it or they think you're being too radical. Um, I've had those feelings as well that, like, you know, maybe I'm taking everything too seriously. I gaslight myself constantly. And if you feel that way, then I hope that this podcast brings you a little bit of solace in knowing that you are not alone there are a lot of people who think the exact same way you do. So keep on with it. All right. With all that being said, we encourage you to, to rage on. on. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. 
Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.